thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. Hey, everybody, I want to tell you the uh, location where we had our first youth retreat. It was a long way away, way out, two miles away at Radiant Church, everybody. That was the location of our first youth retreat. And so I need more than that. Come on, let's go. We just had an event. Yeah, and our teenagers literally at our new building. So anyway, great job uh, to the, the youth staff that put that on. Can we give a big hand to David Jong and Dawson and Paul and Gabby and Jacob Ray and that crew? So great. It was awesome. Uh, so exciting. Hey, also, if you are new to Radiant um, and this is your first time, we're honored and glad that you're here. And in your seat right there, uh, if you'll take out that connection card and fill it out, and then at the end of the service, there'll be some buckets that pass by. And if you'll drop it in the bucket, then we would love to send you an email this week and help you get connected to Radiant. Uh, Radiant, let's give a big hand to everybody's here for the first time. We're honored that you're here. Yeah, so glad that you're here. All right. Um, hey, we're in this series, uh, and, and here's the idea that we're going after in this series. Uh, we're taking quite a few weeks here in Ephesians 5, and the idea is that uh, we had kind of uh, an identity verse help form us as our church formed as Radiant Church, and it was Psalm 34, 5, those who look to him are radiant. And I love Psalm 34, 5. I want to add to that and take this Ephesians 5 text that's really a holiness text, and we're really spending a good chunk of time here talking about holiness. We're talking about how to be a colony of light in a dark world. We're talking about how to shine like stars in a wicked and depraved generation. We're talking about how to be a radiant church, a bright church, uh, being a light to the world so that they might see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. It's all those ideas. And so um, I want to read that text, Ephesians 5, one more time. And then I um, want to go after kind of a, a fresh thought today. We've been taking a kind of a characteristic that's common and normalized in our culture. And we're talking about how we live different uh, in the church and what it looks like to be a light or to be radiant in that context. So Ephesians 5, what you just heard, uh, I want to read it again because I just want this to keep... Uh, uh, my dream is that when, it, when it's Christmas time, you're like, oh, I remember that radiant church series. Yeah, I remember that. When, that becoming radiant. I got that Ephesians 5 like drilled into my head, all right? Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. Say holy. holy. Ooh, good job. Way to go, Chris. Uh, cleansing her by washing with, through the water of the word and present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. So here's a couple ideas that we worked on. We actually spent two weeks talking about how cynicism is normal in the culture. And a way to fight that is to be a people of celebration. So that when we look at the Old Testament, we see the people of God, they were a celebratory people. Look at New Testament, celebrating Jesus and so we talked about if we will stand with celebration in the midst of cynicism, that's a way to be a radiant light. And then we, we talked uh, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about this idea of that there's confusion in the culture. And here in the text, it talks about washing through the water of the word. And we talked about finding clarity, the word of God, bringing clarity in confusion. Today, I want to go after this idea. We live in a hurried culture. And so I want to talk about hospitality over 
hurriedness. Or in a culture that is so busy, I'm gonna look at what we see in Jesus in the idea of hospitality. I wanna look at what we see even in, when we, we look at the letters written in the New Testament where there's actually a command to be a people marked by hospitality. I wanna help, help add uh, understanding to that idea. I, want, I, I know we think Midwestern hospitality. Uh, I, I, wanna, I wanna dignify that because everybody knows burn-ins is good and all that, right? But even more than that, I wanna talk about what we're talking about in kind of a biblical idea. So let's look at this. Romans chapter 12, verse 13, Paul says this. Share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality. Strong word, practice. Practice hospitality. Hebrews 13, 1. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters and do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by, doing, for, for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Okay. Got a lot there. I'm gonna keep going, but I'm gonna bring that up again. First Peter chapter four, verse eight says, above all, love each other deeply. Look at the person next to you say deeply. deeply. All right, if that was your wife, that was a great moment. All right, <laughs> above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Yep. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask that you would help us to be a celebratory people. Lord, in a culture filled with cynicism, where cynicism is just normal, where it's almost weird to not be cynical, I pray that we would celebrate Jesus. God, I ask, Lord, that in a culture filled with confusion, where everybody's posting their ideas, everybody thinks so highly of their own ideas, I pray that we would be rooted in clarity in the word of God. I pray that your ideas would live in our mind I pray that we would know what your word says over just anything that we can come up with. We pray that we would be anchored in the Bible, in the word of God. And Father, I do ask, Lord, that in a culture consumed with self, working so much on my agenda, my portfolio, my real estate, my house, my car, my job, my to-do list, I ask, Lord, that we would look like Jesus and practice hospitality offer hospitality, show hospitality, that we would be a people as a radiant church, a church that looks like Jesus, that we would shine, be bright, and look like our Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so a couple weeks ago, I showed you uh, Renata's tea, and so I went and got another prop <laughs> from the same room because uh, it went over so well and everybody liked that moment where I talked about tea. So this is a tray that sits in that room and it was given to us a gift about four years ago. And when we opened it, Renata and I were together. It came in the mail and I frankly was unsure of what it was the moment that we opened it while Renata grinned ear to ear and said, yes, a tray. And I looked at her like, what? And Renata was so excited that we had a tray. Here's what a tray is. A tray is where you offer hospitality. It's where you put tea in our house. I don't know what else you could put on here, maybe brunch, but where you put things on it and offer it to people. And I, I, I think that for most of us, when we say hospitality, we think Midwestern hospitality. The mindset that most of us think is, oh, great food and a great place. But I want to add a little bit more to that, not to subtract that, but to add to that, the idea that we see here in the New Testament, the idea that we see in Jesus around hospitality. And I would say it's more than just Midwestern hospitality. I would say that hospitality is making space for someone that you don't have to. 
making space for someone that you don't have to, being willing to have so much love flowing out of you, which would only be existent by supernatural love, God at work inside of you, that that overflow of love opens up heart, mind, space, time, food, kitchen, little tiny, something for people that you don't have to. And when you think of Jesus, there's many different identities that we would think of Jesus. We often would go, Jesus, the preacher, for sure. Sermon on the Mount. We've got all the parables. We've got Jesus preaching. Many of us would think Jesus, the disciple maker. We've got so much content about Jesus with the disciples. We've got a lot of content of Jesus, the healer. And I want to add today, Jesus, hospitality guy. Jesus, according to Luke, he had such a reputation for hospitality, eating with people, that he developed people calling him, well, he's a, a glutton and a drunkard. Like he was with people enough that somebody said that kind of thing. I'm just saying, when we read about Jesus, there's many stories about Jesus having meals with people, having engagement, talking with people. Famous text in Luke 19, 10. We've actually done many sermons on this idea where it says of Jesus, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Luke 7, it says the son of man came eating and drinking. And you say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Bible commentators have said, well, you could take 1910 and say, that is Jesus' mission statement. But you could take Luke 7, 34. How did he come to seek and save the lost? Well, one of the methods was he came eating and drinking. <laughs> he came engaging with people, talking with people, being with them. John chapter two is the famous story of Jesus' first miracle at the wedding of Cana, where it's a party. Jesus, first miracle, party time, water into wine. John four, story, woman at the well, Jesus made the disciples nervous because he's engaging in a conversation at a water well. Water, a, a well would be today like a restaurant or a coffee shop, right? For us, it'd be a place where people would come and get a drink. Here's Jesus talking to a, a woman that no one would be talking to, a little bit, little bit scandalous and dangerous, and Jesus engaging with dialogue. Luke 5, 29, then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. So a banquet for Jesus at his house and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. Jesus, feasting. We recently just did a message on Luke 7 where Jesus goes to the house of Simon. We know the story of in Luke 9 where Jesus feeds the 5,000, creates a meal. The famous story of Zacchaeus, Luke 19. And this is a famous story where Jesus eats with somebody. I'm coming to your house. So Jesus didn't have a house, but he just made declarations to other people, I'm coming to your house, right? I recommend, that's hard in Kansas City in this day, but, but this is what Jesus does. I'm coming to your house. I always thought that the story of Zacchaeus was just that Jesus liked short people, and that was my favorite story in the Bible. <laughs> but turns out that here's the idea. He looks at the tax collector, the one that everybody else re rejects, and he makes space. Jesus hospitable. I'm gonna, have a, I'm gonna have a meal with you. So this is Jesus. This is Jesus in Luke 22 where the last supper, just before he goes to the cross, he's having a meal. Post-resurrection, Luke 24, road to Emmaus, Jesus along the road, dialogue, stops, has a meal, breaks bread. Just want you to see Jesus, yes, the preacher. Jesus, the disciple maker. Jesus, the healer. And Jesus, 
<laughs> the one that feasts, the one that has a meal, the one that locks eyes with people, makes space unhurried. I just think this because unhurried is strange in our culture. It's almost applauded if you're busy. Hey, if you're busy, that means you, way to go, way to go. I want to invite you to pull back, look at the one who is our savior and our example, the one that we're building our lives around, and look at the methodology that Jesus had. So he came to seek and save the lost, and then Jesus came eating and drinking, engaging in dialogue with people. What would it look like for you to rearrange how you do life? I was thinking about our culture because our culture tries to eat with the people that are at the top. So give me the nameplate at the front table with the people that are a big deal. Or I'll create a power lunch. And if I have that lunch, then I can turn that person into a client. Or if I have that lunch, then I can grow in the organization. Or I can use that. Or maybe I could take my picture with them, post on them, and I get seven followers today. You know, like figure out a way. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not coming against American business. I'm not talking, I, I, am, I am saying this. The way of Jesus is the primary way you're committed to living your life. So maybe in addition to having that power lunch, you have the no power lunch. Maybe in addition to being on the rise, you also look like, how can I be on the decline? How can I meet with somebody the way that Jesus did? And Jesus took the people that was the short guy in the tree that nobody liked, or he sat and he had time. He made space for the children. I don't got no time for no children. I, like I, I, I can't. No, no, no. Hold on. Stop. Wait a minute. Let's look at Jesus. Ah, no, no, stop. But wait a minute. What is Jesus? But, but Jesus, I, I, I literally, I mean, first John two, six, anyone who claims to be in Christ must walk as Jesus did. I'm trying to walk like Jesus did. So instead of living the hurried power life, I'm trying to reframe how I think and how I live and actually put Jesus first. We actually have a man in our church that has a weekly designated time where his only aim is to be with people, ask them questions and talk to them about Jesus, that they don't know Jesus. They're far from God. So we would all give calendar time for our favorite sporting event or give, our, our, give calendar time to our favorite restaurant or maybe give calendar time uh, to something for us. I want to invite you, pull back, no condemnation, no anger. I'm not giving you a, you must. I'm just inviting you to ask the Holy Spirit, prompt Lead, God, what would it look like for me to bend my life so that my ways look more like Jesus' ways? What would you invite my family to do? What would it look like for my marriage? What would it look like for me, the single person, to engage with not just the way I'm doing it, but the way that you want me to do it? What would it look like? Because I think in our culture, we only want the power meal. And I think much, many of our meals are filled with screens. So we want entertainment. It's interesting because that's true back then. Herod, he wanted entertainment at a meal, right? Dance, right? Let's go. That's big parties. Jesus, he wasn't entertained by putting people on a stage and wa or watching something. He was looking at real people, asking questions and dialogue and talking with the hurting and the broken. And their story was his entertainment. Tell me what's going on in your life. What would it look like for you to go, okay, instead of yet another meal where I have a screen going and I watch Whatever it is you watch, uh, and, and the next series drops, the next, uh, the, the next thing on YouTube, what, whatever, screen goes off and there's intentionality. The tray comes out. Whether you've got the little tiny apartment like Renata and I had when we first got married 
Or you've got, I'm not talking about how many square feet are in your house. I'm not talking about if your house is a perfectly manicured yard or else I would never have anyone over to my house. My neighbor would. He's like a home improvement neighbor. He's like perfect out there. Anyways, that's a painful story, but... Um, <laughs> I'm just inviting you to, to, to say, Lord Jesus, am I someone that only meets with important people or do I have, have I made space for someone who can't help me at all? Because I think this is Jesus. And then Jesus told us this is what he's looking for. Famous parable. Let me just give you a little bit of Jesus teaching here. I'm just going to read it fast so that you get it because I know you know it, but I just want you to hear it fresh today. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you as a stranger and invite you in or need clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison or go to visit you? And the king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. And they also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? And he will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least, least, least of these, you did not do for me. Just hear it afresh and recognize the surprise in the people. What? Surprised by Jesus. What? When did we do this? Oh, surprise, Jesus with disguise on. When you did it for that person, it was actually me. <laughs> oh, when you did not do it for that person, it was actually me. Surprise. Hebrews 13 has a surprise. Some have hosted angels. Mm, surprise, right? Like, whoa. Who knows? So we tend to only go with what we can see, what betters us, what will help us. And Jesus says, when you've done it for the least of these, surprise, it was me. And you didn't do it for the least of these, surprise, that was me. You did it for them? Surprise. Just like Old Testament stories. You're actually hosting a messenger, an angel. I wanna invite you just to ask the question, what would it look like? Is it possible that I can make space for people that will, it will, it will, own, it will, it will benefit me on this day, the Matthew 25, sheep and the goats day. Might not benefit me currently with my, my, my income. Might not currently benefit me right now with um, takes up my entertainment space. Or if I do that, then I can't eat another Chipotle burrito and watch my favorite movie on Netflix tonight. And that's what I am saying. Oh, David, why do you say that? Don't, as long as you're talking principles and ideas, but you don't make application, it's so great. But if you make an application, then I get mad, right? <laughs> that's what happens. That's what happens with preachers. If we just talk the idea, nobody's upset. But here's the problem. You have to make the application. You've got to say, God, every minute of my day belongs to you. I, so yes, what do you want? What would it look like? Move my heart like Jesus' heart was moved. Move my heart so that I care like Jesus cares. And, and, and don't let this just be like 
a felt board or veggie tales or some story that's distant from you. How would it look in your life? What's one thing you could do? One of my favorite hospitality stories is, uh, I know all my, all my stories come from junior high. Sorry, that's just my life. But uh, in, in, when I was in junior high, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Chandler would host a Bible study at their house on Friday after school. Mr. Chandler was a teacher at the school the public junior high that I went to. And we would go every Friday to his house. He held, he held a Bible study at his house. He couldn't have it at the school. He was limited on what he could say at the school, but when it was at his own house, he could say anything. And so we would all cram onto bus number three. It was the only bus that was a flat front and we would cram on it. We actually got in, in trouble with the district because we had like 50 kids going on a bus and the kids that actually needed the bus to get to their house couldn't get home. It was amazing. And then I was like, rah, Bible study rocks. We're messing up the bus system. But anyway, that was eighth grade immature, David. But anyway, uh, some of it's still the same, but, um, and, and so we, so we would go to his house and every week, every week, every week, seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade. And he actually did this for decades. He'd have a little Bible study, three liter, uh, three liter Dr. Pepper and Cheetos and Doritos. It was, it was the late nine. It was the early nineties, late eighties. It was awesome. That's, we don't do three liters now, but back then they were great. And we would just fill up his house and every week his house was clean and every week he hosted us and every week here he was. Now I don't mean to be mean, but Mr. Chandler lacked cool. He was not cool. Like he, we were cool. We were eighth grade, you know, like we were cool. Braces, mullet, uh, right? Let's go. Remember that? Kohans, anybody? Remember those days? White socks, Kohans, anyway. And, um, and we would show up to his house and every week he would just, we, we worked through the gospel of John. He would just teach us the Bible and he would just invest. And so he and I obviously became good friends. And actually I was sitting at a coffee shop where Kyle, was Kyle still here? He was in the first service. Kyle used to work at that coffee shop in Colorado Springs, uh, which is crazy. Then he moved here with me. But uh, uh, and I was sitting at that coffee shop. Kyle was working there as a teenager. And I got an email from Mr. Chandler. What's up, David? I found you on this internet, you know? And he, <laughs> he literally held that Bible study until he retired. And uh, here's what I'm, why I'm telling you that. Those seventh, eighth and ninth graders could not repay him. They did not help him. It did not help his career. It, 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 did, it cost him money. He and his wife would clean the house on Thursday night. It was hard. And yet on this day, the Matthew 25 day, I can guarantee you he wasn't entertaining any angels in that Bible study, but... <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I used to sneak away. I wasn't allowed to watch video games. That's a whole nother story, but I wasn't allowed to play video games as a kid. Um, but he had a Nintendo for, for like his kids somewhere. And so I, um, I would sneak away and play Super Mario Brothers at his house. And so I was motivated not just by his godliness, but by his Nintendo box. And so actually... Um, <laughs> Uh, so my boys, uh, Dawson's up here on the front row. Justice was here in the last service. They, uh, they, they always tease me because I don't play video games with my sons because I cannot play. I am terrible. I, I'm awful. I've never had a season in my life where I was into it except for at, at that season, I went to his house and I would go with this other kid and we would sneak into this room and play the Nintendo. And so Justin and I were at Oak Park Mall about a year ago and they, went, and they had the old Nintendo box up, like that old... And so we came out and Justice has beaten me in every video game ever. I'm always the worst. And then this was that old school. It had Super Mario Bros. And, and I was like, let's go, let's go. And I was like, oh, this is a secret. Oh, and then you could go here and then get these coins. And I was like, this is extra lives. And Justice was like, and I was like, 
True story. True story. True story. Here's why I tell you the story about Mr. Chandler. It's this. What I love about Mr. Chandler is Christianity. It's, it's, just, it, it's just making space. You know what he had? He had, he had a house and he had some relationships at a middle school. And he just said, all right, I'll teach these kids the gospel of John. I'll, I'll, I'll clean my house. I'll sit out those Doritos. And we tend to go, ah, ah, too busy, too hurried, got too much going on. I was just thinking about Radiant Church as we step into a new season, as we get into our new building. I was thinking about all the different ways that we'll intentionally try to be a light to our community and all the ways that God has for us. And I was thinking about not just the ways that we will, but some of the ways that we probably won't. Like when I was in junior high, one of the ways that, one of the things I went to at a church was, it was, it was called Hell Night. And it was where they tried to scare you if you died tonight, would you go to hell? And it was the scariest night of my life. And <laughs> I was thinking how awful it was. I hated it actually. Um, I, I don't know. I was thinking about, I've been the guy, I've, I've, I've been the guy that's passed out tracks. I've, I've been the guy that created Fear Factor for teenagers, 700 teenagers. We have them eat bugs. You were there. Dory was a teenager back then. And um, scared you? Yeah, sorry. It was your hell night. Sorry. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and uh, I doubt we'll ever, we'll ever do that. There's a lot of things I doubt that we'll do and that I've seen not work. <laughs> but this is what we will do. We will be a people that all across the city sit at tables. Yes. We might not create hell nights in our new building and all that, but here's what we will do. We'll scatter every week. I picture a thousand tables across the city sitting at Starbucks, people coming over to your home, dialoguing with people, the hurting and the broken. We are the culture that shuts down the screens to say, come over to my house. We are the people that say, hey, my, my apartment is small but come on over. Uh, we, are, we are the people that say, I'll, I'll go to the park and spend time with those people tonight and they're the hurting and they're the broken and it's those relationships. It's those stories. It's us just making space with our open hearts, open hands. Sometimes you got a house to offer. Sometimes you've got junior high kids you could invite. Sometimes it's people that are your neighbors. Sometimes it's people that you know from work, but it's, I've, I've made space. I don't have to. It's Jesus at work inside of me. He's my example. And so I want to invite you to do a few practical things. I would invite you on Sundays. I want to invite you to, to start thinking in your mind. I'm, I'm going to go, they've got some coffee and I'm going to have a five minute conversation. I'm gonna actually try to see people in my going. Yes, I know you come here and we got great worship. We got Ben Ray, extra anointing, pop, 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 right over there, right? That last song, I mean, that lifted the roof, right? That was amazing. We got, we got incredible moments. We got stages and we, all, I know that. But here's the gold, the five-minute conversation. You look at people, you make space. Oh, I'm too busy. I'm just, no, no, no. Imagine, imagine if you, even when you come here on a Sunday, if you just, Make space. How are you? You make space. Tell me your story. What's your name? Just, even if it's one, even if it's just, even if it's, even if it's just stay late. All right. Hey, I'm not going to be there five minutes early, David. That's not really my gig, 
but I, I, I'll, I'll do five minutes after. You know, like, I'll, I'm just, just, just enough time to maybe make space. Maybe you could step into a space of leading a small group. Now, here's what I mean by that. I think that when it comes to small groups, we need lots of different kinds of groups. The goal of Radiant Church isn't to just to have an experience on Sunday. The goal is that every single one of you have a calling on your life. All of you are to be a radiant light all seven days a week. So what, what, what I'm passionate about is that whatever spiritual gifting, whatever is wired in you, what it, Mr. Chandler was opening up his house, I mean, teaching and teaching the Bible to eighth graders, all right? But what is the thing that God's called you to do? I think one of the things that we could have, I, I love having, a, thinking of small groups like a swimming pool where we need the deep end, right? We need deep end over here where we've got apologetics and we've got exegetically working through John and ooh, I got an amen. Yeah, you love some apologetics. That's good, all right? All right, I love all that, all right? And we need that. And actually, we're getting more of that. We're, we, we talked about that two weeks ago um, when we talked about the word of God. But can I tell you this? We need some right here. This is mid, right? This is where it starts to slant, get a little bit deeper, right? This is like where it starts going the deep end. I, I, I've never been able to touch beyond right there. And so, but we need, we need some in the shallow end. We need, we need some groups where it's just, hey, man. In fact, I love the way my dad says it. We need some, they're pre-disciples. They haven't even decided to follow yet. But we need them sitting in a group, need a space, sitting over burnt ends, and saying, tell me your story. I mean, let's just connect. Let's just, this, this is the group. We're gonna eat and talk. Let me pray for you at the end. I'm not even sure that I believe yet. That's all right. I'll pray for you later then. I'll pray for you right now. That's just, the, but, but creating calendar time. Probably the most uh, transformative small group that made me even love small groups was when I was 21 in college. And there was a guy that was old, old guy, 26 years old. And he used to open up his house and he had about 12 of us, 10 to 12 college guys. It was all dudes Bible study. Guy that led it was married. So we, were all, we just listened to whatever he had to say because he knew he, he had what we were all looking for. You know what I mean? And, and uh, we, we'd, we'd come to his house and here was the content of the small group. We would just, one person would tell their story. That's it. He'd open it up, hit a little tiny apartment. I mean, tiny, tiny apartment. And we would all cram in there. We'd listen to one guy tell a story. And then he'd say, I want all of us to pray for that guy at the end. We'd read a Bible verse and go home. And it's my favorite small group. It was, it was, it was actually zero content that he brought. It was just, he opened his home. He created space. All he had was a little tiny apartment. He was like, I'm 26. I'll just open up for some guys that are five years younger than me. It's possible that there's more that God wants to do in and through you if you'll listen and say, God, what space can I open up? What, what, what space that's in my heart and maybe even what space geographically? What, 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 what do I have? If I make the prayer all the time, God, all that I have is yours, what could it look like? I think if you'll say yes also to little tiny prompts, like I just gave you the example of the person who says they gave calendar time, but one of the things we also see in Jesus is that he's so unhurried that the people that in his day need him, he's unhurried and he stops and he helps them. Blind man, Bartimaeus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Call him. If you just say yes to the little prompts, those moments that you sense the Holy Spirit speaking. Uh, 
I believe there are people in our city that will come to know Jesus because you made space for them. Because you said no to one of the things that the culture says, everybody says yes to this. You're so weird to not spend all this time, perpetual screens, perpetual entertainment, perpetual recreation, per perpetual pursuit of the dollar, all, but you, you voluntarily decided to forego some of the legitimate American pleasures for the sake of eternal pleasure of leading people to Christ. You voluntarily said, I'm gonna make space. I'm gonna, I'm gonna open up my heart. I'm gonna open up my house. I'm, gonna, I'm going to say yes, and you will have Jesus look at you and say, mm. that moment that you opened up your house and you fed, you were feeding me. That moment where you sat across the coffee shop and you bought the 13-year-old junior high small group girls, $6 lattes, cost you $100. You're pastoring me. Helping me. There's a moment. It's real. We only got 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years on planet Earth. Eternity's a long time. These are great moments to just say, okay, I could have done this, could have done that. And I know you got skills, you got talents, you got abilities. But every time you say yes, I was thinking about uh, when I was growing up, um, we were driving from Moscow, Idaho to Spokane, Washington. We stopped at a restaurant that had a, a round table and my dad asked the lady if he could buy the, the table at the restaurant. The lady looked at him like he was crazy and he said, I love this table. And she said, well, you can't have the restaurant's table, but I am trying to sell my table. We went over to her house, we bought her table and then we put it in our station wagon, 1977, mm, station wagon, wood paneling, baby. And Drove it home. My parents had uh, it created to where it stretched to open. I say 18. I called my mom yesterday. She said it's only 14. I think she's wrong. But it, when you are, when you are, when, Don, when Dan and I were th like three, he was three and I was eight, like my parents constantly had people to our home. Always had people to our home. And it was always the same thing. My mom would yell the same phrase to Dan and I up in our rooms Dave and Dan. Extend the table. <laughs> and this table, it was, it was the leaves. You had to put the leaves in the table. It was three huge leaves. It was not normal, like expensive table. We had gone to a carpenter where he took uh, boards and it was the most lame, pathetic boards. You had to put tablecloth on it because it's so ugly. And it was chipped and it was, it was, and it was hard because we were, we were five years apart, but Dan and I were the same size. And um, <laughs> close. And and, and, but we would have to carry these up the stairs and I, I was, it was like work. And I just, that moment where Dave, Dan, extend the table. But it was my parents constantly. That table was stretched back to the six of us, stretched back to the six of us, stretched. And I, I have these memories of just always extending the table. I have memories of people that I had no idea who they were at our house. In fact, my best friend in fifth grade, his name was Preston. But their story was they walked into my parents' feast 
Same feast every time. Barbecue chicken, same carrots with like rich crackers. Same thing we have every, all the time. And his dad was a fireman, gave his life to Jesus at that table. Uh, I want to invite you to do what Hal and Debbie did in the 80s. Hard to do right now. I know. I know you got 10,000 streaming options. You, got, you only got four kids, but you're in 17 sports. And I know it's crazy, but I'm your friend. We're on a mission. We got this little window of time. I want to invite you to listen to the Holy Spirit. Say, Jesus, where can I make space? What would it look like for me on my Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? What would it look like for me? What, what are you inviting me to? My dream and my aim is to open up my heart, open up my house, open up my car, open up all that I have. I'll not only sing it as a lyric, I'll live it as a lifestyle. And maybe you're here today and you're like, I, I'm far from God. Can I tell you this? This is Jesus. Jesus made space. Actually, he looked at his disciples in John 14 and he said, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back that you might be with me where I am. He says that in my father's house, there are many rooms and I go to prepare a place for you. So you could be someone right now that says, I'm the stranger, I'm hurting, I'm broken, I'm in a place of need, and there is one who is the most hospitable, who's made a place for you. And it could be that today is a day where you join the community of faith, the fellowship of the baptized, the people of God, those that have done nothing on our own, but have just surrendered and said, Jesus, we want to seat at your table. Bow your heads with me. I just invite everybody in this room, just say, Jesus, rescue me. Save me. I want to be with you forever. Thank you for preparing a place, heaven, for me. I'm so grateful. I give you my life again. Change me. Make me new. And Jesus, I want to be your light, your hands, your feet. I want to carry the tray, the towel. I want to be in my generation in Kansas City, a person that shows Jesus to a hurting world. So Jesus, use me. If you're here and today, you wanna make that statement for the first time, that I wanna follow Jesus, I wanna invite you. Just give him a yes, just say, Jesus, I give you my life. Change me, transform me. I desire eternity with you. Give me a fresh start. 
I want to walk in relationship with you. I'll give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand together. If you made a decision to follow Jesus today, I'd encourage you just to let us know. You could tell someone at the end up here at the prayer uh, line. If you wanted to, you could fill out on that connection card. You could just write in there that you've made a decision to follow Jesus. And we as Radiant Church, we'd love to go on the journey with you. It is, it is the life passion that we have to follow Jesus. We're broken, far from perfect, weak, but we all have a vision, and that is to follow Jesus. And let him transform us. We'd love to go on the journey with you. Let's pray of our tithes and offerings. Jesus, we love you. God, we need you. God, we ask, Lord, I lift up every person in pain, every person in a valley, every person that's both in this room and out there that needs Jesus. You're the hope for today. You're the one that helps us in our time of need. And just like you were doing relationship with people 2,000 years ago, you're doing relationship right now. And so we want to not just make a decision to follow you years ago, but we want to follow you today and tomorrow. God, we pray, Lord Jesus, use this house, use us. We pray your blessing on this new building. I thank you, Lord God, that our kids were able to go and have their first retreat there. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the opportunity. Lord, to be your hands and your feet as we go into schools, as we go into universities, as we go into businesses all across the city. I ask, Lord Jesus, this week that we'd be a radiant light. We need you. We love you. Come, take what we give. Use it. Multiply it, God. We pray for supernatural miracles for our new building. Pray for supernatural miracles, Lord God, to help people in this city and around the world. We love you. We trust you. We celebrate Jesus. In Jesus' name.